0: You may visit our website for more information at sccview.net. Again, that's sccview.net. Thanks again for listening. I hope that you have a wonderful day.
1: Well, hello, everybody. It's so good to see you today. We're so glad that you are here. We're in a series called A Savior is Born. And today we're going to talk about how to worship the Savior. Now, before we get into that, I just want to, you know, bring to your attention... Some of the things that make us so uh, stressed out during the holidays. Have you ever thought about all the stuff that we try to do in one month? Out of, out of all the, out of all the, the uh, 12 months of the year, there is the month of December, look at what we try to do. We try to write a Christmas card to everybody that we know. You know, and, and even put a special note in that. Not only do we do that, but also we decide to redecorate our whole house in one month, the same month. And then many of us here, many of you, uh, you know, cook and you bake and decide to do all of that in one month. Now, I know some of you use your oven for, to hide things in because it doesn't get used, but, but there's a lot of us, uh, a lot of people that actually bake, and we thank God for you, by the way. And then another thing that we do is on top of that, we decide to let the kids out of school for about two weeks. Uh, you know, like, we, you know, we need more stuff to do. And what I'm saying is that just think about all the stuff that we try to do in one month's time. And then on top of all that, we try to find the perfect gift for everybody in our family. Now, I don't know about you, but that's a lot of pressure. To, that's a lot to accomplish in one month. And many times, because we do that, we lose the joy of Christmas because of the stress that we create. And so, um, so there's a lot of pressure that culture has put on us, and we can lose the joy of Christmas. And today, you know, matter of fact, when we talk about worship, the old English word for worship is worth-ship. That means you show the worth of someone, of Something. And Christmas, the one word that we have for Christmas that we show the worth of Jesus is Christmas. It means Christ worship. We worship Christ. And, and here's it you know, I don't know about you, but it seems like our culture is losing the spirit of Christmas. You know, joy to the world, peace on earth. Why is it, why is it leaving us? I'll tell you why. It's because we've taken the focus off of worth-ship, worship. Worship of Jesus to just all those things that we talked about, decorating, buying, you know, baking cakes, uh, writing Christmas cards, giving the perfect gift, and all of that causes stress, but what causes joy to the world is when we focus on Jesus. What causes peace on earth is when we focus on Jesus. So right now I want to tell you, if you want to get into Christmas spirit, it's not about going to a shopping mall And walking around, sometimes that can cause another spirit, right? But it's about beginning to focus on Jesus. That's the purpose. And so today I want to teach, I want us to learn some lessons from the wise men. Wise men, these wise men, as we look at their lives, we're going to learn three things that we can learn today as how to worship that will begin to move in our lives and help us. And I think today, after you walk out of here today, if you open up your heart right now to hear what God's got to say, I think your whole Christmas season can change and maybe your life from this point forward. So, let's look at here. The first thing I want you to understand, the first thing I want you to write down as we do in order to worship the Savior is this. Number one, start with a sincere desire. Start with a sincere desire. Everything comes from a desire, everything is that we do, has to have a sincere desire. You know, we, the, we don't want to do things half-hearted. And look what the Bible says about the wise men. It says, after Jesus was born in Bethlehem in Judea, during the time of King Herod, Magi, or wise men, as the King James says, from the east came to Jerusalem. Notice that, they came to Jerusalem. That means that they had a desire to find and follow Jesus, and to worship him, they were going to find, they had a desire, they traveled many, many miles, because they had a great desire to find the Savior, to find the one that would be born King of the Jews, and so today, I would just challenge you with that, you know, when I start thinking about desire, I think about, uh, you know, being hungry, when I think about, you know, being hungry, I think about food, I think about wanting to eat, you know, I need, you know, I have I have this desire to, to want to eat, so when I want to eat, I eat, and uh, many of us will do that. matter of fact, uh, the mighty Christmas meal that you see the picture of on the screen behind me now, you know, doesn't that look so good right now? So, I mean, I don't know about you, but just all of a sudden, my saliva glands just got a little thicker, you know, uh, 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 in my mouth because of that food that we see behind us, and when you're hungry, you want to eat, we, you know, look at the... The carved the turkey and and the potato souffle there and and all the stuff that you see, you know and that reminds me because when we're hungry, we want, we want to eat, we want to fill the physical need with the physical uh, element, which is food. And I would say this to you is that um, you know there's in the spiritual there's a spiritual hunger that we have as well. This spiritual, how do you, you say, Pastor Jeff? How do I know when I and spiritually hungry, I'll tell you, when you feel empty on, in the inside, on the inside. You know you're spiritually hungry when you begin to feel empty on the inside. You begin to feel lonely and separated on the inside. That is a sign of spiritual hunger. And the problem is this, that many people, many of us in this room, have tried to satisfy a spiritual hunger with a physical item, and it doesn't work. That's why that when, you know, many times you get lonely, you think, well, I'll just go shopping. And it doesn't work. You know, I'll, I'll go do this, or I'll, I'll try this, and it doesn't work. When you try to fill a spiritual emptiness with a physical element, it doesn't work. I would tell you this. Most addictions that you and I are aware of, most addictions that people have, are because they're trying to fill a spiritual need, a spiritual emptiness, with a physical element. And it just doesn't work. That's what causes addiction, is that people are trying to fill something spiritual with something physical, and it doesn't work. It just doesn't work. And so, that's why we have Christ came. That's why we have Jesus, is because he fills the spiritual emptiness in our life. Matter of fact, look what the Bible says in Psalms 34 and 8. says taste and see that the Lord is good all the joy of those who take refuge in him taste and see just like that food that we had you know that you saw the picture of is that we have to taste it and see I can tell you how good chocolate cake is but until you take a bite you'll never know I can tell you how good God is but until you call out to him until you seek him You will never get no. And by the way, wise men still seek him. Wise people still seek him. John, Jesus said it this way. John 4 and 13 and 14. Jesus replied, Anyone who drinks this water will soon become thirsty again. But those who drink the water I give, let's read the rest of it together. You ready? Will never be thirsty again. Again, he's talking about a spiritual element here he's not talking about physical water he's talking about spiritual he said it's because it's it's because a fresh bubbling spring within them will give them eternal life so on the screen i have this coming up now and it says this when i worship god he fills the empty places that's why worship is so important that's why I worship so... I know that in our, in our culture today that we minimize it, but it's so important because when I worship God, when I begin to recognize that Jesus is the Savior of the world and that God sent His Son, and I begin to say thank you for that, guess what? He begins to give me confidence to know that He's God and He fills those empty places in my life that nobody else can fill. No other person, no other thing can fill. When I worship God, He fills the empty places. So that's the first thing that we learn. We have to have a desire. And the wise men teach us that. The second thing is this, is to develop an an expectant spirit. Develop an expectant spirit. As we look again at the story of the wise men, look what happens here. In Matthew 2 and 2 it says, where is the newborn king of the Jews? As the wise men have just come, now they're seeking for Jesus. We saw his star as it rose, and we have come to worship him. They were asking King Herod this. Where is the newborn king of the Jews? We have saw his star as it rose, and we have come to worship him. And This is what I want to say. The wise men were coming to do one thing. They were coming to worship Jesus. The spirit of Christmas, remember what we said about the spirit of Christmas, is worth ship. And that when you focus on Christ through Christmas, you get the spirit of Christmas, but you cannot have the spirit of Christmas if you do not focus on Christ, if you do not focus on Christ. So my question is this, is to you today, who are you expecting the most from? People or God? That's a great question. Who are you expecting the most from? People or God? Now this has consequences. Look what the Bible says in James 4, 1 and 2. What causes fights and quarrels among you? Let me just read that again. You ready? What causes fights and quarrels among you? Let me read it again. What causes fights and quarrels among you? Okay? He's about to answer that right now. Listen to what he says. Don't they come from your desires that battle within you? You want something, but you don't get it. You kill and covet, but you cannot have what you want. You quarrel and fight. Notice that. You quarrel and fight. You do not have, because why? You do not ask God. I want to tell you today that that is a secret of life. Now watch this here. Here's here's how we get in the spirit of Christmas. Look what happens here. On the screen again, it's coming up, and it's on your outline as well. Look what it says. Conflict happens when my expectations of people are too high and my expectations of God is too low. Did you see that? Conflict in your life happens when your expectation of people is too high we expect we expect to expect right we expect people to do this we expect people to to do things that we think they should do even though they don't know what we're thinking we think that but then then when it comes to god we don't expect a whole lot out of god do we i mean come on let's be honest we don't really expect a whole lot out of god do we the one who can do everything, who knows every thought in our mind, the one who knows all about us, the one who created us, and He knows what we're thinking. He knows what's going through our mind, you know. And then our spouse, and our children, and our parents, you know what? They don't know what we're thinking. They don't know what's going through our mind, and we expect so much out of them. You should have known, we say. And then to God, we don't expect hardly anything. Until we have a crisis, then we begin to beg, right? So conflict happens when my expectation of people is too high and my expectation of God is too low. The Bible picks this up in Hebrews eleven six. 6. Look what it says. And it is impossible to please who? God. Without what? Without faith. You know what another word for faith is? Expectation. Expecting. It is impossible to please God without expectation, without expecting something, without faith. He goes on to say, anyone who wants to come to Him must believe that God exists and that He what? He rewards those who sincerely what? Seek Him. These wise men had an expectant spirit. When they come to Jerusalem, they were expecting to find Jesus. They'd been following a star. They said, we've come to worship him. He's here somewhere, and we're coming to worship him. They're expecting Jesus to be there. And we have to learn to expect him to be there. Okay, so here's my question to you. What are you expecting from God? God. What are you expecting? Matter of fact, maybe you're getting getting what you expect. Many of you sitting in this room, you're like, you're not expecting anything. And that's exactly what you're getting. And God sounds dull and boring to you. And he's uninteresting. You know why? Because you don't expect anything. If you want your spiritual life to take off, we have to begin to expect God. We pray and expect. We pray and expect. We pray and expect. We live in a, a state of expectation that God is going to show up. And God is going to do something. God's going to do something. Now look what I have on the screen here. Here's another great one. Worship raises my expectations of God and lowers my expectations of people. So when you, when you come in and you acknowledge that we are worshiping Almighty God here, when we worship God together, we begin to say, God, we're counting on you. And guess what? We, it takes a little pressure off of everybody else around us. Man, I can't say this enough. You know, When Rhonda and I first got married, It took us a long time of adjusting because I had so many expectations of her. And she had expectations of me. And you know what? We didn't communicate any of those. We just thought that each other ought to know. And it caused conflict in our marriage. It caused conflict, you know, on our staff, you know, with the people that work with me. It's constantly clarifying expectations. When we worship God, our expectations of God go up and our expectations of people go down. Today, I want to tell you something that maybe you have too high of expectations of the people around you and you're treating them like they're a God. And today I could tell you that maybe your expectation of God is very low and you're treating him like people. Why don't we treat God like God and people like people? Let's raise our expectations of God, lower expectation expectations of people. That's good stuff, right? Aren't you glad you're here this morning? That is better than you thought it was going to be, right? If you take that home this Christmas, you will have a Merry Christmas. you have a Merry Christmas. Okay, so I have a next step for you. I want you to take on the back of your connection card. It says, I will spend time in worship to raise my expectation of God. And when you raise your expectation of God, it's amazing how automatically you begin to lower your expectation of others. All right? I will spend time in worship to raise my expectation of God. All right, number three. You ready? We're learning lessons from the wise men. So we've seen that they had a a desire to, to worship and then they had an expectant spirit and the third thing that we learn from the wise men is, this, is that, here we go, humble yourself before God and give gifts. Matthew 2, again, look, talking about the wise men. They entered the house and saw the child with his mother, Mary, and they bowed down. Want not you circle that, those two words, they bowed down and worshipped him. Then they opened their treasure chest and gave him gifts. Won't you circle those three words? Gave him gifts. They gave him gifts of gold, frankincense, and myrrh. Okay? The wise men. Now, I want to tell you, I want to go back to the word humble. So, if you just take the word humble and you draw a line to bow down, I want you to just do that right on your outline. Just take and make an arrow there. Bow down. Why did they bow down? That's the question. Why, when they entered into that, to where Jesus was at, why did they bow down? He was a baby. They realized at that moment that they had entered the presence of someone greater than them. They realized that they had entered the presence of someone greater. And so they bowed down because they realized that Jesus was greater. He was greater. They humble themselves, they bow down. Let me, let me just say this to you about our worship here at SEC. When we come together, listen, to worship God, you know, that's why people raise their hands. You know that? That's why some people raise their hands. You don't have to. I'm just saying that people raise their hands just because they're acknowledging that God is greater. Some people bow their heads because they're acknowledging they're in the presence of someone greater. You know, some people, you know, uh, you know, will clap their hands. We do all kinds of because we're acknowledging that there is someone greater in our presence. Someone greater. So we have to humble themselves. They bow down. When we are constantly in the presence of the greatness of our God, we should worship him. Amen. When we're constantly in the presence of, our, of the greatness of our God, when we realize that God is great and He can do anything that we ask, and He's able to do, He knows our thoughts, He knows everything that's going on with us. He's able to do exceedingly and abundantly and above all we can even ask, imagine, or think. And man, that's, we should be humbled in His presence, not arrogant, like, I don't have time for this. It's the greatness of God. Now let's talk about this, that they gave gifts. I want to talk about the three gifts that they gave this morning. This is so good. So good. The first thing that we see that they gave him was gold. They gave him gold. Now the question is, why would would the wise men, these men who were, you know, like, and wise men, by the way, wise men were like, sort of like political people. They worked with kings. They, they were like, you know, uh, specialists in, in uh, all the issues of their day. They sort of had a take on just about everything, you know, from astrology to religion. I mean, they had a take on that. And so they were the, they were the person behind the king that would help make the king great. And so, so now we see, so here they come and they're giving him gold. Why would they give him gold? Well, the goal is to say it is the gift to a king. Only, and when people would go to visit another king, they would take a king goal. So what they were saying was, they were saying that they were recognizing that these gifts that they were giving, they didn't know it at the time, but God was saying they were a foreshadow as of what was going to happen in the future with Jesus, that Jesus would become the king of kings and lord of lords, and they were recognizing him. They gave their best gift. To the king so why don't you write this down gold I give my best I give my best I give my best that's what that's what it's all about gold is all about I give my best and then we have the, the next gift that they gave they gave gold and what frankincense right frankincense as they gave frankincense now what was this this was very interesting frankincense was a gift to the priest the priest would actually in the Old Testament when they would commit uh, when they would have sacrifices and so forth the priest would walk in before he confessed the sins of the people he would actually take the perfume, frankincense, which was very expensive, and he would put it on the fire and it would begin to burn. And as it burned, it would be this great aroma, this really stuff that smelled really good. And then he would go in and he would present, he would confess the sins of the whole nation. By the way, the word priest means bridge builder. The priest was a bridge builder between God and the people. And Jesus became our high priest, right? Watch this. So as they gave those, that that priest, frankincense means this. You ready? Frankincense means I give God my worst. I give God my worst. Because it's what, before the, the, they would, give, you know, would come in, they would confess their sins, and the priest would go in and present this to the altar. They would burn the frankincense, and right before he did that, he would begin to confess all the sins, the worst of the nation. I give God my worst. Let me just say this to you today Have you given God your worst? You can never give God your best until you give Him your worst. And that means that you have to come clean. You will never have a clean heart until you come clean before God. God, I did this wrong. I'm sorry. I made a mistake. I sinned. God, I did wrong. I knew it was wrong. I did it. And God, please forgive me. And when you do that, you're giving God your worst And we all have days, even though that maybe you prayed that prayer, we still all have days where we're not at our best, right? And we have to go back and say, God, I did it again. I failed. I sinned. Lord, this was bad. This is the worst of me. You see, the cross of Jesus Christ was this. The cross of Jesus Christ, it did two things. It showed us the worst of people and the best of God. When Jesus died, on, remember how the cross was? Remember that, that Jesus was dying on the cross and and people were, you know, they had beat him uh, to a pulp, a bloody pulp, put a crown of thorns on him, and there on the cross, while his hands stretched out and nailed to the cross, his feet nailed to the cross and bleeding right there. We've seen the worst of people because they were cheering the crowd. The people were cheering the people on that were beating him and flogging him and, and sticking the spear in his side. They were, they were blaspheming him. They were saying all kinds, of, they were spitting on him. The worst of people, but the best of God. Because Jesus and all of that, what do you say? Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. Today, if you're not a Christ follower, you're living with the worst of you. And as long as you're living with the worst of you, you can never be the best. You can never have the best of you come out. And you cannot handle the worst of you on your own. You can't get rid of it on your own. We talked about that earlier. You know, when you try to meet a physical need with a spiritual need has become an addiction and I'm telling you many of you have got there's something that's trying to tweak inside of you and you're turning to things that are not good and God is saying to you today if you will turn to me and give me your life and you will follow me then you will have the best of you so there's a prayer inside of your program right now that you can look at and will lead you in this prayer will be your first step Having a new you today. The last gift that they gave was a gift of myrrh, gold, frankincense, and myrrh. Now, myrrh was a, a an interesting gift. It was a very expensive gift, but it was actually used as like an embalming kind of uh, instrument or or spice. It was what they would put on the body of a person that had died to sort of uh, Helped him like a, sort of like an embalming fluid. That's the only way I know how to say it. And so as we're looking at this, what were they saying? They were saying that Jesus is going to be the King of kings and Lord of lords. That Jesus is going to take our words. He's going to be the priest. He's going to go between God and man. And then with Myrrh, they were saying that Jesus was going to give his all. That he was going to lay down his life for us. Jesus gave his all so that we could live Jesus gave his life he Jesus gave so we could live Jesus gave so we could live Jesus gave so we could live that's the spirit of Christmas Yes, it's about a baby being born. It's about the Savior being born. It's about joy to the world. But the story didn't stop there. They said that, you know, those three wise men, he was born a king. He would be a priest before God, before us. But he would die for our sins. And they knew that the story didn't stop there. But 33 years later, he would die for us. And so he gave so that we could live That's the story of Christmas is that God so loved the world that he gave his son to be the savior of the world, to die for us. He gave so we could live. So they gave gifts. Would you write this down? The third thing here is that with myrrh, I give so others can live. I give so others can live. And at SEC, that's what we say. When we give what? People live. When we give, people live. You know what? I saw an example of this. Our finance team showed me an envelope with someone's name marked out on it. And it looks like this. It said this. They gave the gift of $1.00 And they said, this is all that I have. I want to tell you something, my friends. You know, everything in us would say, well, let's go find them. You know, let's give them their dollar back and let's try to help them. No, 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 no. You see, because their expectations of God were high.
0: See what I'm talking about?
1: That person gave more that day than anybody else in this church gave. Because they gave all they had. You know why? They understood that when we give, people live. And they were willing to give their all that others could live. Now just in a moment, we're going to receive an offering. This offering is going to be more special than than any other offering that we give. The tithe, our tithe belongs to God. It helps operate the church. That's what it's for. But an offering is above that. So today I have an offering prepared that I'm going to give and I hope that you have as well. And we've asked everybody if at all possible to give $40. If you can't, give what you can. If you can give more than that, give more than that. Give what you want to. But the target has been $40. This offering today is going to go and rescue people. Let me tell you what's going to happen. This offering is going to go and it's going to provide a shelter for people that are homeless. It's called Calvary Refuge Center. People that have been kicked out of the home have nowhere to go. They can go and stay 21 days there, have three meals, have a clean shower, and they can still go to work and their kids can go to school while they get themselves back together. The second thing is it's going to go to the Haven House. This is where women and children go that are being beaten by their spouse and abused by their husbands or their boyfriends or or whomever. They have a place to go that they can stay for 30 days to find refuge and they can find resources to help them get back on their feet. Matter of fact, our church Some people in our church teach financial peace down to those ladies to help them get back on their feet financially. The third thing is the food pantry. We believe that no one should go hungry at SEC. And so therefore, we support helping this name Food Pantry. We are going to give some of this funds to them as well. When you give, that means that you're putting food on someone else's table Today. It's going to help do that. And then the last thing that this offering is going for is it is going to go to rescue young girls and boys who have been abducted by a stranger and sold as a slave and are on the streets of Atlanta, Georgia right now and being sold as a prostitute. Girls and boys. And we've decided as a church that we are not going to stand for that, that we are going to give this money that special agents, people that are special agents in this field, can go out and build relationships with those children and build trust with them until finally they can release that lifestyle and trust them enough to save them because they have been told that they will be killed if they ever leave them. They will kill them, and they're scared to death. So I'm telling you that this offering that you're going to give today has more potential to give life to people than any other that you will ever give. And so this morning as you're you're contemplating, remember they humbled themselves and then they gave. They remembered that they was in the presence of greatness, a great God. Today as you sit there with your heads bowed and as you prepare your heart to give this offering as an act of worship. Today I'm going to ask the worship team to come out and sing the first part of the song. And then we're going to give. Would you just worship with us now?
0: Hi, this is Pastor Jeff again. I just want to say I hope you enjoyed today's message. If you would like to support God's work through Stockbridge Community Church, simply go to our website at secview.net. Again, that's sccview.net.